anxiety, you were right there. And Lord, I just want to say thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you. Because there was a time I didn't think I'd make it to right now. I didn't think I'd make it to right now. I, I, I praise him because I recognize that today is a blessing. I could not have been here, but some way, somehow, God has allowed me to make it to this moment. And because you're here, I just want somebody to declare, say, I made it. Somebody yell and say, I made it. There was a time that I didn't think I would get to where I am right now, but thank God I made it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I made it. I made it. I made it. And somebody might be questioning in your mind even right now in this moment. You're saying, Tim, I'm saying I made it, but I don't know what I made it to. It's not what you made it to, baby. It's what you made it through. <laughs> uh, you, you might not be at the place where you want to be right now, but I want to encourage you on this morning and let you know that you made it through some stuff to get to where you are right now. So I'm celebrating, not because I've arrived at my final destination, but I've made it through so much stuff. And I just want to praise God that I didn't make it too, but I made it through. Hallelujah. I made it, I made it. Now I dare you to say it again with authority. Say, I made it! I made it, 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 I I made it, and because, and because we're together, hallelujah, because we're together, I need you to encourage your neighbor, I need you to point at three people and tell them, baby, you made it here, you made it, you, you made it, I, I don't know what you're suffering with, I don't know what you've been through, I don't know what you're going through right now, but I want to tell you on this morning that you made it, hallelujah. Hallelujah! 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 And I want you. And, and, and I need you to encourage him again. I need you to encourage him again. Point at him and saying, I don't believe he brought you this far to leave you where you're at. I don't believe he brought you this far. I don't believe he brought you this far to leave you where you're Hallelujah. 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 I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. There's a little more purpose left in you. So I don't believe it. God's intentional about what he does. So I don't believe it. He didn't work you up here without having a purpose. So I don't believe. Hallelujah. 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 You may be seen. 
our God is too intentional. He doesn't do things by accident. He doesn't, he doesn't make a mistake. Hallelujah. So if I'm here, I'm here for a reason. I made it. Why don't you say this to yourself? Say, I made it for a reason. I made it. I, made, I didn't make it by accident, but I, but I made it for a reason. And I want to let you know something else, and this is why you really ought to praise him. God is intentional, but the devil is intentional too. So the devil intentionally tried to take you out of here, but some way, somehow, I made it. He tried, he tried, he tried to get you, he tried to take you out, but, but God, by his power, by his might, by his compassion, he allowed you to be here. And now I understand why the, why the old saints used to sing, they said, just one more time, just one more time, I'm glad to be in the number, just one more time. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise on this morning. Give him some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going quickly to the word of the Lord. If you'll follow us to Matthew chapter 26. And for your hearing, we'll be reading verses 36 through 44. Again, that's Matthew chapter 26. And for your hearing, We'll be reading verses 36 through 44. This is coming from the English Standard Version. And the word of the Lord says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. This is Jesus talking. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for the eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, verse 44, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Father, if this cup can pass, but not as I will, but as you will. Heavenly Father, open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to be receptive to what your word is saying to us in these few destiny moments. Lord, allow your word to push us towards promise, to, to pave the path of destiny and illuminate it so that we may see where you would want us to go. And most of all, Lord, do not allow us to leave this moment unchanged. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. God bless you. We want to talk today from the thought, let God drive. Why don't you say that with me? Say, let God drive. Our question for the moment, for the moment is, how do I surrender? How do I surrender? I couldn't think of a more appropriate scripture for surrender than thinking of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane because that's the ultimate surrender. That's surrendering to God's will when God's will is for you to suffer, to die, to be ashamed, to be stripped, to have thorns crushed into your skull, to be beaten with the cat of nine tails, which is a leather whip with a piece of stone, or a piece of metal on the end, and receive 39 lashes on your back. Some men, even from the lashing, died just from that. Then you had to carry his cross up to Calvary to have, receive a nail in each of his hands and nail through his feet, to be hung up by his ligaments. His ligaments are bearing his weight as he's hanging on the cross, pierced him in the side with a spear. They stripped him and gambled over his clothing. They spat on him and mocked him. They poured vinegar into his open wounds, and they mocked him, saying, if you're the king of the Jews, then come down off of this cross. This was what Jesus was surrendering to. So when I talk today about how we surrender, our Savior has definitely shown us the way. Jesus showed us how to surrender. When I say that, I'm, uh, and I'm saying to allow God to take control, to allow, allow God to drive, many of us have not completely surrendered and submitted ourselves to him. And I'm saying completely. The Bible requires of us, I beseech you, brethren, to surrender your bodies wholly unto God, a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable worship. That is what God expects of us. We don't get extra credit for that. That's what God expects of us. But in submitting, and we spoke about it last week, which feeds into what I'm going to discuss on today, but when you fully surrender to God, that means you relinquish all control. You are basing your life on God's will. But how can you base your life on God's will if you don't read his word. I can't, I'm not fully submitted to God's will if I do not know it, if, if I do not read his word. And it's interesting because often when we as a church and a body, we enter into consecration, for us, many of us, it seems like a strange and hard thing. We enter it as it is an event that is difficult but it will pass, but we struggle through it. The truth is, most of our life should look like how we behave during consecration. That's really what submitting our will to God looks like. Because we're giving him all. We're not giving him some. We're not giving God 50 weeks out of the year. We're giving him all 52 we're submitting our life fully to him. And on last week, I told you I couldn't think 
of a manner of surrender that we do in our common lives that's more analogous to this than us getting on a plane. And I want to talk to you about surrender as we make the analogy as to how we might take a flight, how we might get on a plane and go somewhere. Many of us, we have in our minds destinations that we'd like to go, places we'd like to see. It's so hot right now, some of you might like to go somewhere where it's snowing, <laughs> as hot as it is right now. But many of you like, you want like the, the cabins or the beach, or somebody might want to hit the slopes or an island, or you might like cruising, or you might want to go overseas, you want, uh, London and Paris. And many ideas that we have in our mind about where we might like to go. But the truth of the matter is you'll never get there unless you get on a plane. And you won't get on a plane unless you have a ticket. And to get a ticket, you have to purchase it. You have to commit before you purchase it. You have to make a commitment. Somebody say commitment. Part of the reason that we don't truly submit ourselves to God is because we all have commitment issues. We have commitment issues. And when I mean commitment issues... I don't mean that you won't do something for a while. You'll do it for a week, might do it for a month, even a year. But it's hard for us to truly commit to something that we have to do, to continuously and faithfully do that which we need to do. And our lack of commitment has caused us to not be as close to God as we should to not fully submit ourselves to God. Maybe out there, well, let's go back to the trip. I'm telling you, we're going to use that analogy as we work through this. Some of you have ideas of places that you want to go and you, and you desire to go. And, and I'm going to ask you this question, maybe even more metaphysically than actually. Why haven't you gone yet? Why haven't you been? Why haven't you, got, why haven't you gotten there yet? Why haven't you been to the island? Why haven't you been to London? Why haven't you been to Paris? Why haven't you been to the beach? Why haven't you been to the cabin? Why? And as I ask that question, all of you are formulating excuses in your mind. And excuses are impediments to commitment. Excuses are impediments to commitment. Because if you've committed, one thing I've learned as pastor, people will do what they really, really want to do. They'll, they'll do what they really, really want to do. Oh, I, you better, well, pastor, I don't make that much money. I've seen people that don't make that much money. They'll save up something if they really want it. They might, it might take them a year or two to get, that, get those funds together. But if they really want it, somebody say really want it. If they really want it, they'll commit to do what is necessary to get what they want when they really want it. So the question is not that doesn't surround any of the excuses that you might give to me in this moment when I ask you the question, why you have not done it. The question really goes to your desire and your commitment and simply how bad do you want it? Because if you really want it, if you really want it, You'll sacrifice and do what is necessary to do that thing that you have committed in your mind to do. 
Well, some of you just haven't bought the plane ticket. I don't have the money. Have you committed to save the money? Have you committed to purchase the ticket? And then when you have the money, sometimes you're teetering on the edge of, should I do this? You allow doubt to quite creep into your mind. And some of you were on the verge of purchasing and you just didn't push the button. And then I go back to the question, how bad do you really want it? If you really want it, if you really want it, you'll commit to that decision. So before you can get on the plane, before you go to the airport, you have to commit and focus in your mind, this is what I really want. I have to purchase the ticket. And so many of you right now are on the holding page for the airline. You're on the holding page. You've already decided what dates you want to go. You've already decided the amount of money that is necessary to go. And you just haven't pushed the button because you fear commitment. And you've allowed doubt to creep in. So many of us are the same way with God. He's told us what to do, but we have not committed to do what God wants us to do. And because excuses are impediments to commitment, we have not fully surrendered ourselves to God. We make excuses. And some of them don't sound like excuses, we call them reasons. I haven't committed because I haven't raised the money. Why haven't you raised the money? My answer to your question, the question I'm posing you, you haven't gotten the money because you don't really want it. Why haven't you booked the ticket? Well, the dates haven't really lined up. No, my answer to that question is that you don't really want it. When you had the money and it was there and all you had to do was press the button and you said, I begin to think of all the other things that I need to do. What I'm telling you is that you don't really, really want it. Point at somebody and say, do you really want it? Do you, do you really? Do you really? You really want it? Are you committed to the action? Somebody from this message, the only thing you might get is you're going to take a trip. That's fine. But that means you understand what I'm saying. You have to commit to it. You have to desire it. You have to really, really want it. Because when you really want it, you'll save. You'll be happy to press the button. And you'll commit to purchasing the ticket. And until we have that level of commitment that exceeds our excuses, we cannot truly say that we've submitted ourselves to God because we lack the commitment. Not only that, you, you have to arrange the dates. You have to gather the money. You have to purchase the ticket. And then after you've done that, you have the ticket. You have to prepare to go to the airport. You have to prepare to fly. Some of you have a ticket, but you're not prepared to fly. Because you haven't taken care of what's necessary to fly. Because you can't fly if you don't go to the airport. Some of y'all have tickets, but you're still at home. What good is the ticket going to do you if you don't go to the airport? You have to get to a place where you can get on the plane and take off to fly. You have to get there. But to get to the airport, you have to prepare yourself. Prepare yourself and see, 
We lose a lot of people here, and this is where God loses a lot of people, because when you go to the airport, it's not like driving a car. You can't take everything with you. And some of y'all, you don't have to raise your hand. Some of y'all would rather drive to a destination than fly because you want to keep all your stuff. If I fly, I can't take this and I can't take that and I can't take that. But if I drive, then I can take all my stuff. And some of y'all are driving instead of flying and you're wondering why you haven't gone to another level. But you got all your stuff, but you're stuck on the same level. But, but, but I got all my stuff, though, and, and my stuff comforts me, and it, it makes me feel better. All right, you feel better. But I told you the road to better is full, full of uncertainty. The road to better is full of being uncomfortable. You're going to have to get in uncomfortable situations. I tell you, because when you go through security, they, they make you uncomfortable. They're going to tell you to take some stuff off. They're going to scan you, and they might scan you again. You might randomly. I got, I got a random check. My son Justin got a random check one time. I let him testify about that. But, but you might randomly get picked to get checked. And some of those checks are more invasive than others. Some of those are just a little wand. Some of them are them dumping all your stuff out of your bag and going through your personal items. Some of them involve you removing more clothing and getting patted down, and some of them involve gloves. But what I'm telling you is that you have to prepare to be uncomfortable on the road to better. Or you can keep driving around in your car with all your stuff and never go higher. Oh, you, you drive some of y'all on the wheel. I want to go higher, higher, Lord. I want to go higher. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't. Because you don't want to make the commitment. You don't want to prepare. You're driving around with a ticket in your pocket, but you don't want to make the sacrifices that are necessary to go to another level. You can't take all your stuff. And some of us, the thing that's holding us back is this excess baggage. Walking around with excess baggage. Some of us not on our back. We got, we got rollers on it now. We can just roll our excess baggage around. Some of it's personal things that you just need to let go in your mind. Relationships that you still stuck in that happened 15, 10, 15 years ago. And you still carrying baggage from that old relationship. You and that person don't even talk anymore. But you still carrying that baggage around. You can't take all your stuff with you. If you want to go higher, some of you are taking unnecessary stuff, but you just like to have it with you. You can't take it with you. Some of it is not, it's just mental and emotional junk that we're holding in our minds. But the Bible itself says, let us lay aside every weight and sin. It says weight first. And sin that does so easily beset us so we can run with patience the race that is set before us. We're going to have to let go of some things going to have to let go of, of some people. There's some people in our lives, some relationships that are holding us back. And sometimes it's not as much as letting them go, but you have to put them in their proper category. You have to properly categorize the people in your life. Come on with me now. 
See, this person used to be a confidant, but that season has passed. And some of you are confiding in people whose season has passed, and God has already written them out of your script. They're not a confidant anymore. They might be an associate. I know them. I'm nice to them. I'm cordial to them, but I don't tell them all my business. And you've carried them into a stage that they're not supposed to be in. So now you're stuck at security because they can't go with you. They're like, sir, there's some choices you have to make. I told this story before. I accidentally, I was trying to reapportion the weight in my suitcases on, on the way back from a Jake's conference in Orlando. And I accidentally put my large lotion in my carry-on instead of my check-in bag. Wasn't thinking, didn't mean to. So I get to get to security, and then at the end they're like, "Come here, let me let me see. You never want to get that finger." <laughs> yes, sir. Let me let me talk to you for a minute. And then he's like, "You have this lotion that exceeds the limit." So there was a pretty it was a pretty easy choice, but the question was one of this, and some of you you failed this question. The question was, "You can keep your lotion." and leave or we can throw it away and you can get on the plane <laughs> those, those are your options and some of you when you get there you decide to keep your stuff well I just leave then I'll leave then I, I, I'm not doing all that I'm not giving up all of that and some of you, you laugh because we're talking about it in, in, in this context but as it relates to God there are things that you have refused to give up you didn't tell God you're not giving it up you just kept doing it you didn't tell God I'm, I'm not going to release this but on Monday you did the same thing you did on the Monday before after he told you to let that go like, I'm going to keep my lotion, and I'm going to keep my stuff, and I'll get my, back in my car, and I'll sing my favorite song. Higher, Lord, higher. I want to go higher, higher, Lord. No, you don't. Stop. Stop singing that. Because you're not committed enough to do what is necessary to go to the next level. You got your ticket. You have in your mindset God has already told you where he wants to take you, but you're so attached to what you have with you, to your stuff, to your baggage, to your mental baggage, to your emotional baggage, that you want to hang on to that and allow that to keep you from going to a higher level. Some of us, we're attached also to our trauma, to things that have happened in our lives. And let me tell you, when it comes to trauma, nobody is saying what happened to you is not evil. It's bad. It's terrible. It's harmful. You might have to talk to somebody about it. You might have to get counseling about it. But you also have to commit in your mind that I'm not going to allow it to dictate the rest of my life. You have to make that commitment because you won't go get help if you're not committed to getting rid of it. You won't talk to somebody about it unless you're committed and take action steps to not allow it to impact the rest of your life. I know you were abused, you were hurt, you were emotionally traumatized, but you have to be committed that I'm not going to hold on to that as baggage because at some point what you're holding on to is holding on to you. 
And it's preventing you from going forward. It's preventing you from getting to the next level in God because God has great things for you. And you know what happens when you've been traumatized? You get the evil sensation. The devil speaks in your ear that bad things happen to you because God doesn't care about you. God has no purpose for you. God has no future for you. But God is saying this to everybody. I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of good and not evil to bring you a future and a hope. I have a future for you. Point it to somebody you, you're not with and tell them God has a future for you. God, God has a future. God, God has a future for you. God has a future for you. He is intentional. You're God's intentional creation. Again, you're not here by mistake. God has a future for you. So that means whatever has happened me, to me in the past is not intended to ground me from going higher, but rather there are some things that happened that are going to be part of my testimony. And I'm going to tell you my testimony on the plane. <laughs> I'll tell you my testimony as we, as, we, as we move to the runway, as we prepare to take off, because I'm not staying where I am because I refuse to allow my baggage and my trauma and my hurts and my pains and my past to keep me from getting on this plane. Somebody say this to me, say this with me, say, I'm getting on this plane. I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting. I, I, there's, some, there's some things I might have to let go, but, but I'm getting on this plane. I, 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 there's some things I'll have to release even emotionally and in my mind and in my spirit, but I am dedicated to getting better and going higher. I'm getting on this plane. And nothing in my past is going to hold me back. Oh, come on, say it with me. Say nothing in my past is going to hold me back. I want to say it again like it means to say nothing in my past is going to hold me back. Sometimes things in your past remind, let you know, we call them in, in education, we call them non-examples. Sometimes things in your past just let your mind know that this is not how it's supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> it, it's got to be something better than this. Oh, I wish I had some real honest Honest folks in here, you, you've been through some trauma. You've been through some trouble in your past. There's some things that's happened, but that thing came along for God to remind you that it's got to get better than this. My God said, I, I come that you might have life and that you might have it more, more abundantly, and I'm not walking in that abundant life. So my past has taught me that it's got to get better than this. Somebody say, it's got to get better. It's got, this can't be it. It's got to, it's got to get better. This is not all God called me to. It, it's got to get better. I've been through too much to get to where I am right now. It, it's got to get better. God has too much purpose invested in me for me to be stuck where I am right now. It's got to get better. It's got to, it's got to, it's, 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 it's got to get better. So, so I, there are some things I'm going to have to release. There are some things I'm going to have to let go. And, and as I'm releasing those things and as I'm letting those things go and as security is, 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 is approving me, there's also an identification process. And when you go through the identification process, one thing that I've learned, remember, we're all God's children. When we go to the airport, my children come with me. 
Oh, I'm about to help you right here. Stay with me. When, when we go, when they, we present our IDs, our children come with us. And in fact, my, my daughter's too young. She doesn't even have an ID yet. But what she has to do is they ask her her name and they ask her her date of birth. And you know what? They ask her who she's with. We walked up, we were, we were actually actually going through through customs and, and we were trying to get back into the country and, and, and we're standing there at the gate and, and he said, she doesn't have an ID. I said, no, she's only 12 years old. He said, she asked, he asked her name and he said, who are you with? This is my father and her mother is coming. And just because she was with her father and her mother, even though she didn't have her own identification, they let her go through. And I came to tell somebody, you're at the gate and you're fumbling for your ID, but I, I want you to just tell them I'm with Jesus. And he said, I am the way. Oh, I wish I were here with I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except he comes by me, baby. You're not going to get it on your own. By faith, by grace, are you saved through faith? That not of yourself. It is a gift of God. I'm getting this not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Somebody say, I'm with Jesus. And anything that's not sufficient on its own, on my behalf, Jesus is going to make up the difference. It's not because I have so much knowledge or I have so much understanding, but, but it's because of not who I am, but, but it's because of who I'm with. And I dare you to tell them that I'm with Jesus. And whatever I can do by myself, I know that Jesus can do that. Why the songwriter said uh, many things uh, about tomorrow uh, I don't seem to understand, uh, but I know uh, who holds tomorrow, uh, and I know uh, he holds my hand, uh, and I came to tell somebody uh, when you get to the door uh, that won't open for you, uh, remind them who you're working with, uh, tell them I'm walking with Jesus, uh, and I walk with him, uh, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. And when I get to a place that I can't walk by myself, he picks me up. He takes me over. When I feel a tear welling up in my eye, he says, your weeping may endure for the night. But somebody say joy. Somebody say joy. It's coming in the morning because somebody say I'm with Jesus. He holds my hand. I'm with Jesus. He walks right beside me. I'm with Jesus. When I can't handle it on my own, I'm with Jesus. Hallelujah, everyone say it. Somebody scream, I say, I'm with Jesus. Hallelujah, I'm with Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I'm with Jesus. Jesus covers my faults. In his sacrifice at Gethsemane, he was hurting. Because he began to feel the weight of the whole world. 
on his shoulders. He began to understand and feel the weight of his assignment. I'm doing this for the whole world. I'm the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Upon my shoulders are everyone's sins, and on his shoulders were your sins and my sins. So when he sang, let this cup pass from me, he sang, is there any way I can get around this suffering? But the answer from God was, no. You have to suffer, not because of what you did, but because of what Larry did. Because he's not going to do right. He's going to act up. He's going to be disobedient. He's going to fall short of your glory and expectation. But because of what he's going to do, I need you to suffer. I need you to bleed. I need you to die. And that's exactly what our Savior, that's what he did for us. He fully submitted to the world and the will of God. And that's what God expects of us, to submit fully. Somebody say fully. Submit fully to his will. Submit fully to his will. Like I said, there's no more helpless feeling than to get on an airplane and right as they take off, you realize that you have no control over anything. Everything is in God's hands. So you know what I do before takeoff? Right as we're taking off, I say, Lord, it's in your hands. And that's how we have to live every day. We're, we're going to wake up and look ourselves in the mirror and say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I, I believe you are, are going to be in control of everything that happens on today. Lord, my life is in your hands. And I'm going to trust you. That means I'm not going to say things that are against your will. You're going to get tested this week. But you have to trust God. They're going to come against you this week. But you're going to have to say, Lord, I still trust you. This is the test. Even when the answer is no, when they tell you no, you're going to have to say, Lord, Lord, I, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. I have a very personal testimony to give, and I'm finished. I learned something so much, so much God taught me in just a few moments, in just a few days in March of 2009. I always loved God and I trusted God. But I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, I need you to heal my daddy. I need you to heal him. I need him to get out of this hospital bed. I don't know what I'm going to do without him. I need him. And I prayed to the Lord, and as many of you know, God did not answer. 
the prayer in the way I wanted him to answer. But he taught me something from that moment. He said, Larry, I'll answer your prayer when your prayer is according to my will. You have to pray according to my will. And I've told you before, it's like this. We have to pray inside the ship, and the ship is God's will. When we pray inside his will, there is nothing that God will not withhold from you. There is nothing that God will keep from you when you pray inside his will. That was a hard lesson for me to learn, but it was a lesson that I learned during those days and during that time. That when I pray inside his will, when I submit to his will, there's nothing he won't hold from me. Now you know what? God being God, he's blessed me during that time. And you know what comforted me the most? Not only was I, did I learn to pray inside his will, God granted me a request. I prayed after dad passed. I said, Lord, help keep him with me. Help keep him with me. And since I prayed that prayer more than ever, even, when, even while he was alive, I feel dad talking to me more than I've ever felt him before. It's like as if God brought his words so crisp and clearly to my remembrance. God said your first prayer was not inside my will, but your second prayer was. He said, I'll keep him with And so God has so vividly not only brought his words to my remembrance, but there are times that even I see it with my eyes. I see the moment. I see where I was. I remember the conversation. And God is helping me and instructing me. But you know what God is doing? He's using his words to lead me to where he desires me to go. And that's all God wants. When we pray, I pray to him. He wants us to pray prayers that lead us closer to him. When you pray a prayer that's asking God to lead you closer in relationship with him, God will answer that prayer. So I've learned not to set my affections on things of this world, but on things above. And God will answer that. Somebody point at your neighbor and say, God will answer that. He'll answer that if you trust him, if you commit to him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for these few moments of destiny where we encountered decisions that we must make in our own lives things that we must release, commitments that we must make, an examination of whether we really, really want this. Lord, you even let us know that you're with us and by being with us, there is nothing that shall be impossible to us. And for that, Lord, we thank you. For that, Lord, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, come on, give God the praise on this morning. For those of you who've been watching us virtually, 
We pray that you continue to walk with Jesus, commit to him, and allow him to show you your path. God bless you. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.